following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Great to be with you again. And as uh, Jordan said, we've had the privilege of being uh, right where the Sermon on the Mount was delivered. And uh, scholars are pretty certain that that was the spot. And uh, what's interesting, that particular, uh, and right there it is, that uh, sermon would have taken about 18 minutes. Some have said that's a suggestion by Jesus on how long a a sermon could last, uh, should last. And it's laid out in a sermon format. There's the, the introduction, the Beatitudes, the attitudes which ought to be. And uh, my personal belief is that the rest of it is uh, just explanation, application to those eight principles. If you live these out, this is what it looks like in life. And then there's the conclusion, and Jesus has a couple of illustrations at the end. And uh, so it's kind of laid out that way. But it states that he went up on this mountaintop, and crowds came to him, and he called his disciples to himself, which tells me that he was, he was speaking directly to the disciples. This is what being a follower of Jesus looks like. But others were listening in. And what's interesting, at the conclusion, it says that uh, they were in awe. They were in shock. They were astounded at his teaching because he taught as one that had authority, not like their scribes and their Pharisees. And if we're not in shock at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, then I don't think we get it. We really don't. You know, it was probably a couple months ago that uh, Jordan asked if I would come this Sunday and do this particular passage. And so since that time, uh, I suppose almost every day I've sat down and read the Sermon on the Mount and uh, studied a little bit at a time. And it's devastating. It says that Jesus opened his mouth And he taught them. You're having the very words of God. I'll never forget. I have a friend who said he visited, uh, or he was at his parents. And his parents' pastor was visiting that day. And something came up at the dinner table about a saying of Jesus. And the pastor literally said this. Well, I have to take issue with Jesus on that. (laughs) You're going to take issue with Jesus on it? Well, I tell you what. There are a lot of times when I'm reading the Sermon on the Mount and I think, I know I can't take issue with Jesus on that, but that seems impossible. I can't do that. I'd like to take issue with Jesus and say, hey, but Jesus, I'm a human being. What do you expect here? I can't pull it off. A few weeks ago, I was at the O'Brien Center where I work out and a, a gentleman there came up that knew I was a pastor and he said, hey, he said, I've been reading that Sermon on the Mount over and over again, and I just love it. Well, I tell you what I wanted to say to him, but I didn't. I didn't want to discourage him. He wouldn't understand. I wanted to say to him, I don't. (laughs) I don't. You know, I like that about as much as, well, if you know who Alistair Begg is, I'll never forget this. He said, said, you know, once I get to this age, he said, I don't. I actually shave with my T-shirt on. I don't want to see it. <laughs> what happens to your body, you know? Well, in some ways, 
The Sermon on the Mount is an x-ray of our souls. Often Jesus says, I know you've heard it said, and he's talking about Moses says. I know the law says, but let me tell you what the application is. And he makes it so much harder. Here's a nice one. Well, let's go through. Uh, first of all, there's uh, blessed are the poor. Blessed means truly happy. Truly happy to the very core of your being are those that are poor in their spirits. Those that are bankrupt have nothing to offer God and they realize it. Those people are going to have the kingdom of God. Blessed are those that mourn. They'll be comforted. Mourn over your sinfulness. Mourn over the sinfulness of this world. You're going to, you're going to receive comfort from God. Blessed are the, the meek. Um, and that doesn't mean weak. It means those who've given control over to God. It was used of a horse that was broken. Not its spirit, but under control. A meek person is one that says, Okay, God, you ride, you ride saddle in my life. You take over. Blessed, and those people are, are uh, going to be, uh, blessed or meek, they'll inherit the earth. They may think they're giving something up, but they're going to get the whole earth one day. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. We're all hungry and thirsty. We're all on a search for satisfaction. For those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, those are the ones that are going to be filled. There's something inside you just say, I want to be right with God. I want to be right with others. I want to be right with myself. God will satisfy you. Blessed are the, uh, the peacemakers. They'll be called the sons of God. Blessed are the merciful. They're the ones that will be showing mercy. Once you realize how much you've been forgiven, how much mercy you've received, you are able to extend it to others. Blessed are the pure in heart. I think that's one of the keys to the whole, whole uh, Sermon on the Mount. It goes to the heart of the issue. Blessed are those who are in such a love relationship with God the Father that they will be persecuted for righteousness' sake. There's the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you're reviled, persecuted, have all kinds of manner of evil things said against you, falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice, be exceeding glad. Great is your reward in heaven. That shows you love me and know me well enough that you'll be persecuted for our relationship. Jesus, that's an upside-down kingdom. He said, that's the happy, blessed person. Then how's it lived out in life? Well, he gets tough. You know, uh, for instance, you're the salt of the earth. You're the only uh, preservative this earth has. And, and, and you're, you bring healing. At the same time, you're an irritant to those who don't like it. <laughs> They'll be persecuted for it. But you're, and by the way, it's you and you only are the salt of this earth. Don't lose your saltiness. Some of you may uh, know Jim and, and uh, Jim Fair and uh, his wife that uh, went here many, many years ago. One time we were in Israel, not on a trip Jordan was on, and, and uh, oh, what's Jim Fair's wife's name, Jan? Nancy Fair. She fell down and cut her knee real bad, and then we went to the Salt Sea and she drove, dove in. Well, it's 33% salt and minerals. And she didn't say, this is wonderful, it's healing. No. <laughs> she said, ouch, this hurts. Some people won't like the salt. Some people won't like the light. Turn the lights off. People love darkness rather than light. You'll be persecuted. But we still, we go in and we live that way. And then Jesus says some tough things. You know, the law says don't murder. But I'm telling you that if you call somebody a fool, and actually it means I wish you were dead, you're worthless, 
You've committed murder. Wow. Huh. Here's a tough one. I know the law says don't commit adultery, but I say to you, if you looked with intent, lustful intent that you would like to have adultery with this person, you've committed adultery in your heart, down to the core. Jesus goes down to the core of the issue. And then he says these drastic things, speaking hyperbole. Therefore, if your eye offends thee, pluck it out, throw it away. If your hand offends thee, cut it off, throw it away. If your foot, in the Luke passage, offends thee, cut it off, throw it away. Better to go through life maimed than to get, have full body thrown into hell's fire. People say, well, Jesus, the meek and mild Jesus, I love what he says. <laughs> Jesus has some hard sayings. Um, in other words, deal drastically with sin. If there's something that's leading you astray into sin, then don't look at it. Don't go there. Don't, don't grab a hold of it. You know, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the fact I have never been into a rise and roll donut shop because I couldn't handle it. I just couldn't. But every once in a while, if my daughter uh, visits, she goes and she buys them. She brings them right into my house. You talk about temptation. I, I can't handle it. I can't. And if I, I, it's either none or a bunch. <laughs> you know. Now, you think that's bad because I have a sweet tooth. I uh, was talking to somebody about this Amish crack, they call it. You know, you can Google that, Amish crack, and it pops up, rise and roll, right here in Napanee. <laughs> it's the honest truth. But listen to this. A guy told me down in Leesburg, Indiana, there's a new brewery called Hop Lore. And they have a beer that they, that they make, and they throw rise and roll donuts in it. <laughs> it's sweet. Now, man, if you had a problem with alcohol and a problem with sweets, you're dead meat at that at Hop's Lore, man. <laughs> you know, uh, stay away from it, you know. Can you imagine somebody that's having a problem on a diet? They just love sweet saying, I don't know why it is. Every time I go to that rise and roll, I always fail. <laughs> you know, pluck your eye out. Cut your hand off. Cut your foot off. Don't go there. That's what Jesus is saying. Just don't play with it in your mind. He slays everybody. We've all wished somebody did. Out of my life, at least. Just exit this world. I <laughs> Remember when somebody saying about someone, they said, you know, I don't wish them ill. I just wish they'd go away. <laughs> well, that might mean move out of the area, but no, it's, it can mean get out, of, get out of this earth. I wish you dead. So Jesus keeps saying that. He, he, then he says this. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, in that day, a scribe, what does a scribe do? He writes down passages all day long. He has all the knowledge. So unless you can have all the biblical knowledge in the world, and you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven unless your righteousness exceeds that. Or of the scribes and the Pharisees. Pharisees were meticulous in all of their little nitpicky things trying to be holy, you're going you're gonna to have to have it more so than them. And I know that everybody there thought, well, then nobody can. But Jesus says, because it goes down to the heart. 
You know, even yet today, it's so meticulous. I, uh, I have a good friend that lives down on Twickingham, one of the Orthodox Jews there. At Sukkot, I took over a bouquet of, of uh, mums, um, some mums. And I found out they couldn't touch the mums. I had to take it out and put it in the Sukkot. And I didn't understand why. So I went down to the uh, Midwest Deli. And uh, the guy, that's the kosher deli down by Walmart. And I said, uh, hey, what, why, couldn't, why couldn't they touch a mom? And he said, well, because it was a holiday or a Sabbath, and we don't touch any living thing because you may be tempted to pluck the fruit off of it and work. I said, it was a mom. You're not going to eat flowers. <laughs> And he goes, it's our, it's our way. And, he's, and then he says this, just the other day, I was laying out in my hammock, and a friend came over on the Sabbath, and he said, hey, you're not allowed to lay in that hammock. The hammock is attached to trees. Therefore, you're literally touching a tree, and you're breaking the Sabbath. So he said, I stopped doing it. Well, then I happened to run into the rabbi. I know the rabbi. I told him, so he goes, no, 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 no. If he puts eye bolts in the trees and attaches the hammock to the eye bolts, then he's allowed to lay in his hammock. And I said, so many rules. <laughs> that's, that's what a Pharisee was like. So I'm positive that all the crowd just said, well, then this is impossible. And then you think that's tough. Listen to this. Therefore, be ye perfect, even like your father in heaven is perfect. Anybody achieved that one yet? <laughs> Now, in some places in the Bible, it says that the, the word perfect means mature. But it can't there because God's mature. He's maturing. No, he's perfect. What's Jesus doing? He's slaying us. And that's why I wanted to say to this guy at the health club, I don't like it. I don't like this sermon. If somebody preached, I'd probably get up and walk out. Is <laughs> that guy crazy? My guess is a lot of the crowd, Jordan and I were talking about this, probably got up and walked away and said, that guy's crazy. <laughs> probably the scribes and the Pharisees too but the disciples they stayed now at the conclusion of the sermon after he's preached this and all the stuff that you guys have been studying he comes to a couple of conclusions and uh, today we're going to look at one of those that is just amazing so in uh, verse 21 and it'll be up on the screen now again these are the words of Jesus Jesus says yeah, it's driving me nuts there. Not everyone who says to me. Now, the word there, I think, says is very, very important. Not everybody that verbalizes. Now, it's important to verbalize truth. If we confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in our hearts, we'll be saved. But it's not just words. Words, words, words. So many words. Not everybody, some, who says to me, Lord, Lord. Now, there's respect. But then again, demons called him Lord. <laughs> they knew who, we know who you are. You're the son of God. So just knowing that he's the Lord or even saying, Lord, Lord. Jesus said, not everybody who says that to me is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Wow, if that's true, we better get this straight. You know what that says to me? We got to be really, really careful. You know, I just took a, uh, not a new job, but a, a new assignment. Palmer Funeral Homes here now have five funeral homes. And uh, last year they did over 1,100 funerals. And they told me 
that over 50% of their funerals, the person has no pastor and no church. And they asked me if I'd be willing to do funerals, be on call to do funerals for those type people. I'm, I actually said no at first. In the, and I said, no, I don't want to get in that situation. They want, they want me to preach everybody into heaven. <laughs> but then I called back later and I said, listen, if I can give the gospel, I'll bury anybody. <laughs> uh, I'll, let the, I'll let them do the eulogizing. I'll do the burying. And um, so uh, I've had one so far since they called. But we got to be careful. We don't preach everybody into heaven. And you know what I've found? I've done a lot of funerals in my day. And this is a tough one. When somebody says, now this is, I'm just making this up, but it comes down to this. I know they've lived like the devil, but when they were 10 years old, they got baptized. They went forward in church. They shook the preacher's hand. They said, Lord, Lord. And I'm supposed to preach him into heaven. I was uh, actually, I belonged to this hiking club, and I was hiking yesterday with this guy. And he even told somebody we were walking, he goes, he's trying to save me. (laughs) And I said to him, uh, put the gospel to him, and he said this. He said, you know, when I reach St. Peter's Gate, I believe St. Peter's going to say, you can go in, but you got to go sit in the timeout chair first. <laughs> Which was funny, but, but it's not theologically very sound, is it? But listen, listen, these are the words of Jesus, okay? This don't be like that, that uh, pastor who said, well, I'd take issue with Jesus there. What are we depending upon for our salvation? Some childhood decision? Some ritual, I took communion. I went to church camp. I served at the church. I went on a missions trip. No. Not all those people are going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? It's where Jesus reigns. Now, ultimately, it's when thy kingdom come. But between now and then, thy will be done in Craig as it is in heaven. I want Jesus to reign right here in me imperfectly but that's the pursuit of it and the one who but it's the one who does many verses one the one who does the will of my father in heaven remember the word father because one of the biggest issues here in life is this everybody was looking at rules regulations and religion and jesus says it's a relationship it's my father the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Well, then, what is his will? Well, his will, first of all, he was asked that, is to, to receive Jesus as your Savior. Not every, uh, these are the words of Jesus over in John. It is my Father's will. Everyone looks to the Son and believes in him, and then they'll have eternal life. But once you do that, then, as Jordan preached last week, there's fruit in a life. Not perfect. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about that. I don't think I've ever seen a good tree that didn't have some bad fruit. (laughs) But predominantly good fruit. But then it says, on that day. Wow. You know, I know you've had Newt Larson here before, and he's famous. He says this quite frequently. There's only really two days. Today and that day. (laughs) Isn't that true? There's 
Today, there's this step, and then there's the final destination. Only two days in life. Today and that day. Well, what day is that? The day of judgment. The day where every person, Romans says, believers, non-believers, every human being, is going to give an answer for their life. Wow. Now, if you study this further, there's two thrones. There's the, 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 throne, uh, the great white throne judgment where non-believers go to be shown why they're not going in. And then there's the, the judgment seat of Christ where, where our lives are reviewed and we receive rewards and, can, and do suffer loss where things are burned up that weren't motivated correctly. But there is that day. Isn't it amazing? That every human being, it says, is going to stand before God and, and uh, give an answer for their lives. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, whether on purpose, forcefully, or, or in this life, make it uh, the choice. And then it says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. There it is again. And then they start to give a reason why they should go in, go into the kingdom. Did we not prophesy in your name? Well, that's good, isn't it? Prophesy. Didn't I, didn't I share the word of God? Didn't I quote verses? Didn't I tell people about Jesus? Do you know that when Jesus sent out 72 disciples, they came back, and that included the 12, they came back rejoicing that the demons, uh, we, we, we go out preaching, and the demons uh, are cast out. We're doing many wonderful works. And one of them was Judas. And Jesus said, don't be all excited about that. Just be excited about the fact that your names are written in the book of life. That you have a relationship with me. But you know what that's saying? There's a whole lot of people that made their living as a preacher. Uh, as a, an evangelist or whatever. And they're going to stand before God and say, hey, I had a TV program. Uh, I wrote a book. I preached a lot of sermons. I, uh, I told people about you. And it says, and some are going to say, I cast out demons in your name. Judas did that. There's going to be people who said, hey, I took on the devil down there. And I did it in your name. And did many wonder, mighty works in your name. Well, you would think, <laughs> the old St. Peter's thing, St. Peter Throw the gate open and say, well, come on in. You don't have to go to the timeout chair. Come on in. Let me escort you right up to Jesus. You can sit on one of the thrones around there. Can you imagine this at the end of a sermon? And I think everybody sitting out there is thinking, yeah, yeah, many say that. And boy, that, they'll go right in. And then... I will say to them, I'll declare to you, I'll make a proclamation to them, I never knew you. Can you imagine? I never knew you. You know, we talk a lot about that we know Jesus. You ever think much, well, would he say he knows you? How about this? I trust Jesus. Does he trust you? Can he trust me? How do we, how, how do we uh, live with this? Again, these are hard sayings. Man, I bet those Pharisees and scribes 
we're boiling over about now. Who's he talking to anyway? But quite frankly, I think every person, including us, ought to, it ought to make us pause and say, would he say to me, depart from me, you worker of lawlessness, iniquity, evil? How could he, that, these were all good works. But it never got down to the heart. It was all externals. You know, uh, my dad told me once, he said, uh, it was one of the toughest things he ever did. Jan and I, when we were young in Akron, Ohio, I was a youth pastor, and uh, we, we were wanting to buy a house. We were renting. And uh, finally, we found this house we could afford, and it was in kind of a rough neighborhood. But it was cute. <laughs> they had painted it up. They had wallpapered that thing. And uh, the outside was painted. It looked nice, you know. And so my mom and dad drove three hours over because my dad was going to help out with the uh, down payment. And we were all excited about it. And we pulled up in front and uh, walked up. We walked in the house, and my dad, I'll never forget, he said, let's go to the basement. I hadn't even gone to the basement. <laughs> Went down the basement, and uh, we stood there for just a, not even a minute. My dad said, Craig, you don't want this house. He said, the wall's cracked, it's seeping. The furnace is real old, it needs a new furnace, and the wiring's outdated, and it's going to need new wiring. And I said, you haven't even looked at this house. He said, I looked at what counts. <laughs> That's what Jesus is saying. We say, hey, look, look at the wallpapering. Look at the paint job. Aren't I, aren't I cute? <laughs> and Jesus will say, let's go to the basement. Let's look at the wiring. What, what wires you? What, where's your treasure at? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. You've served two masters, and you can't. It's impossible. You will hate and despise the one and love the other. And you have, in a sense, despised me and my authority over your life because you loved something else. God and blank. Put in the blank. What all money would represent. Wow, my goodness. Um... Listen to a few verses. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says, The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Jesus said they didn't depart from iniquity, their hearts. I never had it. Luke 6, 48, a parallel passage to that, this same passage. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I tell you to? I think my mother could have just said the same thing, only put mom in there. Why do you call me mom, mom, and you don't do what I tell you to do on a lower level? John 10, I'm the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Wow. John 10, you do not believe because you're not amongst my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me, and I give them eternal life. I give it to them. They don't earn it. They have no merit. You see, the people Jesus were talking to, they never got off base one in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor, bankrupt in their spirits who realize, I have nothing 
to offer God in my own goodness. Because the heart's deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. And all my righteous deeds trying to earn favor before God is, is actually filthy rags because I think I'm going to earn my credit before God. Yeah, I think I've used this sermon illustration here. I, I use it quite often because I'm hoping that my good friend Bill Gates, our local Bill Gates, will finally get the hint. But uh, Bill's a good friend of mine. Let's imagine that Bill over here at uh, Gates Toyota says to me, Craig, come on down and pick out a car. Anyone you want. It's free. I said, well, Bill, why would you do that? Because I love you, Craig. Come on down. Just pick it out. And I go down and I pick out one. And then I reach my pocket and I find a quarter. I said, Bill, let me pitch you in. <laughs> it would be an affront. Don't you realize what this costs me? It, it, it's, an, it's an embarrassment. It's, a, it's an insult. When you pull your little quarter of goodness out of your pocket and put it to God, oh, let me pitch you in, God. He said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. We never had a, you don't know me or you wouldn't even be saying such a thing. You know, um, not too long ago, uh, a person, uh, not in this area because I want to protect this, um, uh, a lady, her husband died suddenly, unexpectedly. And then uh, we couldn't make it to the funeral, but uh, we drove and, and met with this lady. And uh, I'll never forget this. We didn't know them well, uh, but certainly uh, through church settings and so forth. And uh, at that meal where we were sitting there, and, and uh, finally I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, so sorry for what happened, and I, I know you're going to really miss him, but God will have a future for you. And she looked at Jan and I, and she said, he never loved me. It was a shock. I said, uh, oh, yes, he did. You're just, I said, we watched you. And she goes, you were not in our house. He was a different man in the house. <laughs> and it was just so sad. He never loved me. I should have, could have said, but he provided for you well. You drive a nice car. You live in a nice house. He fed you. He clothed you. Aren't you satisfied? Nope. I wanted a relationship, and he never loved me. You know, uh, Mr. Rogers was after my time, Fred Rogers. I don't think I ever watched the guy once till recent days. <laughs> but I read an article put out by the Gospel Coalition by Trevor Wax, and he said this. He went and saw the new movie, um, Welcome to my neighborhood it is, I think, Mr. Fred Rogers, who was a Presbyterian pastor. Very, very loving man. Uh, I don't doubt that at all. But it said this, that on his deathbed, and this is, it, I guess, in the movie, he said to his wife, Joanne, am I a sheep? And she said, oh, Fred, if anybody's a sheep, you are. And then he said this, I don't doubt Fred Rogers' salvation. The guy has all kinds of good fruit. But what did he mean when he said, am I a sheep? He was referring to Matthew 25 where Jesus said, one day the king is coming back. He's going to sit on his throne. 
And he's going to separate all people in front of him. The sheep from the goats. Sheep on the right, goats on the left. And then he's going to say to them, to the sheep, I love this. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. I, I, I was naked and you clothed me. I was in jail. You visited me. I was sick and you came and visited me. And then the sheep, those on the right, the righteous will say to him, when did we ever do that? <laughs> I love it. What they're saying is, it wasn't about me. I wasn't trying to earn anything. I didn't even know I did it. And he says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. That's the heart of the true disciple. <laughs> Not, well, I did that because I was earning my way. You ought to be impressed. No, I didn't even realize I was doing it because it was coming out of the core of who I am. Jordan, you said it. Well, you cannot live out the Sermon on the Mount in your flesh at all. Your only hope is Jesus Christ invading your life and through new birth, a new heart, you begin to live a new life. Don't ever get it perfect down here, but it's an ideal that we strive for and we ought to. But it is what's going to, life will be like in the kingdom when he sets up his kingdom. Now between now and that day, I think it's good for us to ask ourselves, am I a sheep? Or am I a goat? Am I a goat that's trying to act like a sheep and trying to earn the shepherd's favor? Or am I one that just loves the shepherd and I truly am one of his sheep? I've heard his voice. And, and, and he's entered into my life. And he knows, I, he knows me and I know him. And I want him to be the king of my life now. When I say, Lord, Lord, I really mean it. I'll never get it perfect down here. But it is the desire of my heart because he put that new desire in me. To will and to do his good pleasure. That's the true disciple of Jesus Christ. Are you one? Are you a sheep? Are you a goat? Here's the test. Do you know his voice? Does he know you? Because you've given up. You say, I'm bankrupt. I desperately need the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. I cannot pull this off. And even the desire to want to please you is a gift from you. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your words. You opened up your mouth and you spoke and you spoke truth. It slays us. And yet, it also draws us in. We want this. Father, I pray that uh, you would work in each of our lives to uh, just be overwhelmed by your grace, your mercy. Uh, your love, uh, and that you desire to have a relationship with us. And we freely say we, we cannot earn your salvation. We, we don't even have a quarter to throw in. And just we're amazed at your generosity of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Now, we pray that we would live for you as king of our lives until that day when you come back and we bow our knees and we confess with our mouths, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thanks. Would you guys thank Craig for me? Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church Podcast. 
If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.